Welcome back, Draft Crafters. I'm not going to take a ton of time, JP, for us to get started in this episode. I'm just going to do one thing before we get rolling. And that's and that's crack one open, because it's afternoon. Oh, and I already beat you to that. I, mean, I already popped look, mine. Well, there you go. Thursday's not a made. bad day. Uh, we're going to talk about different beverages, because I think both of us have beer to talk about that we've been going through. So we'll do that at the halftime-ish mark as we go halfway through this thing. But I can tell you that during the show... I am going to be drinking another one of the upper hand beers because they had like a, uh, you know, variety pack. And I think that's kind of the route I've been going lately is the variety pack. But the New Sun Hazy IPA is what we're doing this Ooh. time. So I'll let you know what that one's like. I'm guessing you're long drinking again, aren't you? Well, I am having another long drink as we speak here. But uh, that's not what I plan to talk about on today's episode during the, the beer halftime break. No, no, we already talked about it. We need to talk about it again. So, uh, I'll give you my I got opinion. A new topic. There you go. I'll give you my opinion on new sun as we go, but I'll have some beer, more beer to talk about as well because this is a show about draft and craft. And while we're not talking too much about the the NFL draft right now because we're in the the dull days of of summer between everything happening, we are talking about guys who've been drafted and some guys who haven't been drafted. Maybe some guys are drafted high, some guys are drafted low. We're going through the best players to ever wear a number. And we did the first half. We had a few debates here and there. We had a few numbers that are up for grabs for anybody to jump into the NFL right now and claim as being the best player to wear that number. And then, uh, you know, we got a few that we're still trying to figure out. And a couple that are slam dunks as well. So we'll see what the second half brings to us. And uh, since we've been going even and odd, we're starting off with an even number, number 50. Go for it. I don't even want to talk about this guy. I do. It's it's a sad thing that he plays for the Bears, just like I'm sure the guy you're going to talk about it's a does great as well. Thing but that he plays for the Bears. No, it's sad. But talk about Mr. Crazy Eyes himself. I mean, find somebody better than Mike Singletary that wore number 50, and well, you won't. So, yeah, you can't. I was going to say I get. I'll give you something or bet you this or that, but you, you don't. You're not going to. He's the best player to wear 50. It's done. If you found somebody else, would you wear a Brett Favre jersey? What? <laughs> Need to have more than that for the Brett Favre jersey? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, there ain't nobody. Yeah, there's nobody that wore 50 that's better. So don't even bother making yeah. a bet. No, and he was so much fun. Again, Singletary being in those 80s and 90s Bears teams, just over the top. Like if you saw him coming at you, you unless your name was Barry Sanders, you were a little terrified. A little, a little bit of pee came out. Barry would have been fine. He, the man was intense. I'll give right. him that. And tell you what, he came on even the as a coach. Right, he yeah, as a he was, coach, he's intense. Yeah. He's definitely probably better suited to being a coordinator than a head coach. But man, when he put on his dad glasses, I'm like, I see Mike Singletary all differently now. It's a little, little weird. You know, it's crazy. Him. Believe it or not, I watched one of those weird little like uh, survival shows where it had like celebrities trying to do mm-hmm. like crazy survival stuff. Completely different guy on there. Sure. Yeah, he's still not... very motivational. He's right. motivating people to like not give up and this mm-hmm. and that. You could see the coach in him for sure, right. but. But yeah. not not quite the same. Not as intense. Yeah, not the same bloodthirsty yeah. competitor. <laughs> nope. Well, fifty-one again. We're in. We're in full on in linebacker lineman mode. And I'm full disclosure because JP was involved in this. It's going to be linebacker heavy. But uh, it's also yes. there's some great guys wearing these numbers. And fifty-one was the original Mister Bear when it comes to linebackers, and that's Dick Buckus. I mean, that is a guy who we've joked about this with some players. He would have been suspended every week now if you went forward. Uh, just because of the style of play that he had from 65 to 73. He was known as the animal, the enforcer, the maestro of mayhem, or the robot of destruction. And when that's your name, 
I mean, that pretty much covers it. The Eight Maestro of Mayhem might be my favorite. That's a great one. Eight Pro Bowls, five-time All-Pro, 6'3", 245. Still had 22 picks in his day as well. Uh, this guy finished top six in the MVP for three straight seasons, and they didn't have, I don't think they had Defensive Player of the Year, but he definitely would have won it. Uh, that just so good for so long, especially in the middle of his career. They didn't even have tackle numbers back then, just to give you an idea of where stats were at back then. Uh, they didn't have sack numbers. They just throw what they think might have been sacks on there. But, yeah, this guy was locked down the middle of the field. No one was doing anything against them in the, in the Bears in the, the late 60s, early 70s. 52. You know, to talk about nicknames. Apparently this guy's nickname <laughs> was Sugar, and mm-hmm. it's not my pick. Mm-hmm. It's the right answer. I just refuse to do it. <laughs> well, the, look. The right He's Sugar because Sugar Ray Robinson and Sugar Ray Leonard, not because he's Sugar Ray Lewis. I know. That's another reason why I refuse to do it. Like, I just <laughs> stole the nickname. But anyhow, yeah. The, yeah. The, the right answer is is Ray Lewis here. Well, he's not. He's an I, answer. I just want to say, had Patrick Willis not gotten hurt. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Patrick Willis is – I've never really actually done this, but I bet if you take Pat's – first seven years and stack it up against like Ray's first seven years like mm-hmm. I'd be in, it'd be pretty darn close well he had over 800 tackles in his first seven years so who did actually no he had uh he had over 900 tackles in his first seven years Willis so if he played 14 years he would have been on pace for like 1800 tackles 1800 tackles how many did uh Ray have Ray had 2000 and he played for how many years more than 14 he played like 16 or 17 years so yeah I mean, these two so were they, very much in lockstep when you look at stats. Yeah. Well, how did they compare sack-wise? Now I'm looking it up. Ray no, had 41 no, and a half <laughs> and way longer. Mm-hmm. And, and 20 yeah. for Patrick, it, but yeah. half the, half, not I even half the see. time. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and again, we both like Patrick Willis better as a player. So, And the thing, yeah, crazy I, thing I, is I, I, they're oh. both about 6'1", 240, and so they're very similar guys. Uh, we just like Willis better. But, again, Ray Lewis, good for him, long career. Mike Webster as well gets a little shout-out on the offensive line because we feel like we need to a little bit there. Uh, but then at 53 was a guy that I wasn't expecting when we first started doing this, just maybe because Your I didn't favorite really pop team. into me as much. Stop with that. It's not, it's not going to end, is it? Am I, just gonna, I, I can't nah, roll I over know. when you do it. I just have to, to, to tell you to stop. And I'm going to tell you why. Those of you who don't remember my favorite team, it's the Detroit Lions. In JP's mind, it's the New York Giants. And Harry Carson No, played. the Giants are your second favorite. Sorry, the Giants, I've always got that wrong. I'm also a Bears fan. Hold that against me if you want to. Don't give me this Giants crap. But I will give you this. Harry Carson had a solid career. This dude was yes. a nine-time Pro Bowler. He got a Super Bowl championship in there in the 80s with the Giants. But along with that, had he was never an All-Pro, but he was second-team All-Pro like five times. And he was playing with Lawrence Taylor. So it's not like he was a slouch in there. He was playing with good players and still putting up huge stats. So Harry Carson, underrated, solid linebacker, not my favorite team. 55. 50, 54, just getting 54. 54, another bear. It's the like bears, the Bears are the 50s. Well. Yep, mm-hmm. Brian Urlacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue, you could have maybe, maybe somebody wants to argue Randy White, and it's not a bad argument sure. at all. I just personally think it's Brian Urlacher. Well, Urlacher, I mean, he he ushered in. He's a like new the era. best defensive player in the entire league for mm-hmm. a window of time. Right, so. well, and he ushered in a new era of linebacker because he was one of the not one of the first, but one of the first to do it at the level he did. That was an inside middle linebacker that could also 
run with guys. He used to be the middle linebacker was the thumper. Even Mike Singletary, as much as he was a, a great, you know, athlete, was still a thumper. He wasn't necessarily a speedster. But Brian Erlock the size he had. Whew, he was six four, almost two sixty. He was he played like two fifty eight and he could still run with running backs. It's insane when you think about the athleticism this dude had. Again, love him. Not gonna complain about that. Fifty five is is one of the easiest ones we had. For those of you who don't it's another pay attention big football. linebacker like Erlocker. Mm-hmm. 6'3", Junior Seau did not move like a 6'3", man. He moved like someone a lot faster than that. Uh, 12 Pro Bowls, 6 All-Pros, 56 sacks in his time. And that's just the sack numbers. I mean, he had 1,500 tackles in his time. And again, this is a guy who he, he had, you know, his little cup of coffee at the end of the career with the, the Dolphins and the, the Patriots, but he's most known for his 12 years in San Diego. And again, just one of those those hard luck guys that just couldn't quite get it done with those teams and get him uh, over the hump into the Super Bowl. But all pro at different times, defensive, never won the defensive player of the year, but was always right up there. Uh, and again, another guy, rest in peace, the craziness that happened to him, you know, could have been CTE, could have been whatever. But uh, Tiania Baul Seau Jr., Cannot argue with that man and how good he was playing the game. I was a huge, huge fan. Can't deny it. When I was a young kid, I used to save up every penny I made, like with all the jobs, side jobs mm-hmm. I was doing, this and that. And I used to collect NFL jerseys. <laughs> I can honestly say, I think for whatever reason, for whatever reason, my favorite jersey to wear when I was a young kid was the powder blue and the light blue Junior Seau. Because it looks awesome. And it was a linebacker. I was just like, dude, I was like, I, I just love this jersey. And the 55 <laughs> and just the name Seau, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, just, cool. I loved rocking that jersey. It, yeah, so was, you, it was a fun one to wear. Mm-hmm. And you didn't rock the next guy, did you? I didn't. You probably did, though. What Stop. team do you play for? Dang it. I, Ooh, I, I set walked yourself into that up one. on oh, that goodness. one. I walked straight into a, a, just a wall on that one. That was so dumb. All right, it's it's... You can go ahead go and ahead, say it. take your this number. You want, you want no, me to take this one? I can tell you want to. Uh, I can tell. Yeah, you're a jerk. All right. LT, it's, baby. It's Lawrence Taylor, yeah. And again, no, I don't care how much you like or don't like the Giants. Ten Pro Bowls, eight All-Pros, two titles, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, was an MVP in some people's minds. He was the AP MVP in, in 86. Uh, people thought he should have won more than that at times. This dude was just transcendent with what he did. Had 20 and a half sacks in 86, one of the reasons why he got the MVP. Uh, but 142 sacks, while also not just being a rush guy, because there's a lot of guys now that are outside linebackers are edge rushers. They are pin their ears back, go at the quarterback all the time, and so they're going to get numbers. Lawrence Taylor didn't just do that. He also roamed around. He wasn't just a rushing guy. And so, so good for so long on that side of the defense. Uh, and that was a time period when you can be like, all right, I don't mind the Giants because Lawrence Taylor's a baller. 57, because mm-hmm. I'm still rolling. That's you, because you, you took the take. Because yeah, uh, yeah, so you gave it. Because you gave uh-huh. it. We had two different names. First time we've had a, a double up on here, and there's a couple of options. Uh, we both kind of wanted to lean one direction, uh, but we needed to leave a little bit of love for Dwight Stevenson. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Can't complain about him. Also, Johnny Blood McNally, who's had like six numbers. He's come up so many times. I just got to give him a tiny bit of a shout-out to say this is a guy who made the Hall of Fame and was you know, fun back in the day. And when your nickname is Blood, I mean, that that's pretty cool. But the guy that both of us, I think, want to have in there, I'm guessing uh, you're on board with me with this, JP, is Ricky Jackson. Oh, yes. Very, very much a huge fan of Ricky Jackson. 14 years in the NFL, playing uh, linebacker at a very high level for the Saints and then kicked in at the end with the Niners and got his Super Bowl, which is great. Another one of those guys that you're, like, happy when he wins the Super Bowl, you know? 
uh, but six-time Pro Bowler, 136 sacks, 1,100 tackles, 62-43. So he's that hybrid, you know, outside linebacker rush guy. Uh, and again, very similar uh, in the beginning of his career, much more focused uh, on the tackles and and he was just flying all over the place. And then uh, towards the end of his career, was a little more focused on just the pass rushing aspect. But dude had several seasons of double-digit sacks and 100 plus combined tackles. So Ricky Jackson, 6'2", 243, definitely uh, one of the more underrated linebackers of the 80s, in my opinion. Oh, very, very much so. Yes, huge, huge fan. That's all I got to say. Well, one of the reasons why. I also have to say that. (laughs) was because one of the guys we're going to talk about at 58. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 58 was arguably the hardest number to to pick someone, not because there was two great names, but Mm -hmm. because there were more than two great names. I think we both agree the name is Derek Thomas. Yeah, and again, he is a guy that it just in the years that he had was amazing, and he probably still, at 32, he was still athletic enough to where he could have gotten another three, four seasons under his belt potentially and maybe padded his stack, sack totals, but this guy was just a force of nature when he played. Yeah, so Derek, Derek Thomas is definitely, definitely the answer. Um, what I have to say, though, is – Arguably the greatest stack linebacker in NFL mm. history is Jack Lambert. That's another hard so nose, dude. That that one, I mean, watch some clips of him seeing the bloody mouth because there's no teeth in it, but the teeth <laughs> are hanging in the beard. And I don't know, Jack Lambert's crazy. But uh, I also have to give a shout out to one of my most underrated players in NFL history, mm. Jesse Tuggle. Yeah, you love that guy. I do, and he's so disrespect. Dude, here's the thing. Okay, let me look at this. Let me hold on. We're gonna do this live. All right. I'm pulling up some stats here. Yeah, I got him as well. 21 sacks in his career for a linebacker. Hold on. I'm looking at the best five year stretch of Ray Lewis's career and looking at tackles. <laughs> Hang with me here. Listen to this five year window for Ray Lewis, and okay. t- just try to do math in your head and tell me. Oh who, dear. Like, I'm just looking at tackles, sure, just because yeah. I mean that's the premise of what they do. Right. 184, mm-hmm. 120, mm-hmm. 165, mm-hmm. 137, 162. So he's averaged about 150 a year, maybe 160 tops. Okay, let me find a five-year stretch. Let me switch to Jesse Tuggle here. All right, I'm on Tuggle. You ready? <laughs> you go for it. 183, mm-hmm. 201. That's better. 207. That's better, better. 193. Mm-hmm. 185. Mm-hmm. His le- his lowest was 183. Is Jesse Tuggle right now your current guy that should be in the Hall of Fame that's not? Yes. Because, <laughs> first off, his nickname He's is He's my Hammer. favorite player who's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yes, he 100% is. He's nicknamed the Hammer for a reason. Yeah, I, I can agree with you that I think Jesse Tuggle, uh, we need to start a little campaign and get uh, get Tuggle in the, the Hall of Fame. Because if you, you see other guys in the Hall of Fame that don't have the stats that he did, 1,800 tackles in a 14-year career, that's insane when you think about what he was doing back there. Good for him. Always been a fan of him. Now I like him even more. 59, there's only one guy we really need to talk about here, and that's Jack Ham. No, because that's not my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. But Jack Ham did have a solid career. Eight, eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, got four titles with the Steelers there, and again was part of that Steel Curtain defense in the 70s. Had 32 picks to go along with uh, whatever number of tackles he had because they didn't track them for some stupid reason back then. But this guy, for six years in a row, was an All-Pro. 
And again, bookended those with a couple more years of Pro Bowl. So for that stretch from 74 to 79, he was the best linebacker pretty much in the NFL. But then there's somebody else that you like. Luke freaking Keekly. <laughs> and if he didn't get hurt, he would be the greatest linebacker in NFL history if it weren't mm-hmm. for those concussions. Yep. Talk Agreed. about talk about I mean Luke Keekly, if you even I know his college career doesn't have a whole lot to do with this, but Luke we talked about how great Buckus was. Luke Keekly broke mm-hmm. Buckus's college <laughs> tackle record yep. that stood for like two hundred years, man. Right. But uh just just Completely different type of linebacker. His mm-hmm. his tackle numbers are probably more on par with Ray Lewis rather than a Jesse Tuggle. Sure. But when you look what Luke Keekley did from like in, in a passing game, mm-hmm. I mean, he was getting a few interceptions like every year and just wreaking yep. havoc. I don't and pass deflections. He had double digit pass deflections for a few years there too. Mm-hmm. Just awesome player. All, all over the top, all the way around. And when you look at the fact that in no season. In his leadership. Whoa. Right. In every season that he played, there was never a year where he was under 100 tackles, even when he was injured for part of him. So. Yeah, yeah. even when he's missing games or playing like half dizzy. Yeah, guy's insane. Mm hmm. No complaints That's about either of those guys. Number 60, though, thankfully enough, we only had to do, you know, one on, so go ahead. Yeah, this is Chuck Bednarik, and I'll talk mm-hmm. about him a little bit just because I know that. I don't know. Most people probably don't know Chuck mm-hmm. Bednarik. I don't know, unless there's some real old t- old timers listening to this episode. <laughs> but I mean, Chuck's a two time NFL champ. Probably made it mm-hmm. dang near to double digit Pro Bowls in in my mind. But he played two ways. I mean, this is a linebacker, old lineman, outside edge rusher mm-hmm. type guy. Mainly linebacker, I would say, is his primary yep. position for sure. It's difficult to compare any of his stats to any of the guys we just talked right. about because they didn't track it. I don't think they really even calculated tackles till mid nineties, to be right. honest with you. Which is crazy. <clears throat> it is crazy. So, I don't know. Long story short, Chuck Bednarik, Crooked Fingers himself, mm-hmm. or the Sixty Minute Man, or the Concrete Charlie. Mm-hmm. I think were his nicknames. Yep. And again, for a guy that played center, two hundred thirty-three pounds, it was a different era, but still, just he, the dude was tough as nails and talked about it too. Twenty interceptions too for him over his career as well. I mean, so this guy wasn't just you know some hard nosed brawler. Sixty-one, Bill George, not a guy that I thought too much about. I'll be honest with you. So uh, he's a he's a player that was back in the the fifties and sixties, and so I think he kind of surprised both of us uh, with what he did with the Bears, uh, mostly with the Bears, uh, and then uh, a little bit with uh, with the Rams right at the end. But again, eight-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, won that one NFL championship with him. Had twenty-eight and a half sacks, which they started crediting you know, later in 1960 was the first time they technically gave him credit for a sack. Uh, but this guy played offensive line and then flipped over to the defensive side of the ball as a linebacker uh, as he went through his career. But this guy, he was an all pro as a guard and then also an all pro as a linebacker. That's how good he was but, and how versatile he was. You know, what's funny is he played so darn long ago that he played when they didn't have a center. They called it the MG, the middle guard. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of where he was at <laughs> back in the day. So he played a little bit of left guard, a little bit of middle guard, and that just gives you an idea of what Or at what least that's my assumption. It's got to be That's my right? assumption with MG is. You see, he's listed as an MG a few times. Right. We're going to call it a middle guard. Sounds good. We're going to have to look that up. I'm going to look up middle guard later on, we'll, so we'll have to chat about that. But, yeah, Bill George. Uh, one of the guys, this is what it was fun, because we obviously had our opinions on certain numbers of guys we knew would be there. But then every once in a while, you came across this little, like, gem that was from back in the day that we just didn't know about that much. Because, let's be honest, neither of us are born in 1929. So, Bill George points to him for picking up number 61, being the best to wear it so far. Who do we got at 62? We got a top 
three, at least top five center all time, in my opinion, sure. Jim Langer, uh-huh. Miami Dolphins. I mean, come on. He he was there in the heart of these 70s Dolphins mm-hmm. teams, even part of the perfect season. I mean, just an all-around superstar center, a sure. little bit of guard, two-time Super Bowl champ. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's Jim Langer. I mean, like, I, I don't – He's a name that not many people know, but I right. feel like everybody's seen enough documentaries or heard enough about the perfect season for the Dolphins, and this mm-hmm. is a guy who touched the ball more than anyone <laughs> during that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that and I, no, no argument there. Moving on to sixty-three, there were were kind of two people we actually wanted to to give mention to. At least I wanted to give mention to. And so since I'm doing the odd numbers, I can get away with that. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily. Uh, a debate. I guess we have a little bit of a debate. I mean, first off, I got to give love to Mike Munchak and Leroy Selman because those two both wore it incredibly well. Uh, and they're both Hall of Famers. And of course, you know, I love, love Leroy, Leroy being the first guy to wear the, the creamsicle and just that's an awesome name. Uh, but the two guys we're going to talk about, Willie Lanier, Gene Upshaw. Give me your perspective. Which one's better? So tough. You know, I've got a super soft spot for the linebackers. And this is a very, very even debate. And you could go either way with it. But uh, when you break it all down, I think I do give the nod to Gene Upshaw. I Which think is, his accolades are slightly better. But, I mean, it is what it is. Well, and again, you've got Willie Anier, who was an eight-time Pro Bowler uh, and a three-time All-Pro in there. But then you've got Upshaw, who's a seven-time Pro Bowler, but a five-time All-Pro. So maybe a, a better peak for him. And, of course, what he did – uh, as the you know players rep as well for a long time, uh, both of those guys are spectacular. So we want to give them both love. And again, Gene Upshaw locking it down at the guard position for as long as he did. Uh, one of the bigger guards of his time at 255 pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind that's of funny fair. the way that's changed. Hey, shout shout out for Jim Langer though. Uh, he, I think he was like 250 as a mm-hmm. center too. So yeah. the old middle guard. Well, we're will. gonna we're we're gonna change the uh, the body style a little bit with the next player. I think. Yes. Yes, we are. One of he is probably my second favorite guard in NFL history. Sure. If you're considering a guy that we'll talk about in about I don't know ten more numbers, <laughs> a guard. Um, but yes, Randall McDaniel, division rival of my team, the Detroit Lions. He's a Viking, but I was hard. Like that's my thing. When there's a guy who's a rival to your favorite team, and you're like, I just like him. I, I really he's a really good player I can't deny it like that's how you know this is a, a generational player I mean there was no denying it Randall McDaniel was just I don't know he, he was he looked like a phone booth man and it what's crazy <laughs> is like if you look at guards nowadays he'd even tiny. bigger oh, he'd but, yeah tiny. but he, he made 12 pro Bowls man seven right. time all pro Hall of Fame Randall McDaniel awesome card. And it makes it a lot easier that he was a, a Viking, not a Packer. But fair. We're we're full on into a lot of uh, of offensive linemen now, and the next guy we want to talk about at sixty five is Tom Mack. He was a guard, but go boy, blue. Did, yeah, again, go blue boy. But talk about someone who just locked it down for eleven seasons. He was a Pro Bowler, uh, and again, he was only not a Pro Bowler twice. His rookie year, when he didn't even play all fourteen games. And then for whatever reason, in 1976, they were probably bored of voting for him, so they didn't give it to him that year. But every other year, this guy was a pro bowler, also an AP uh, second team uh, all-pro as well. And so never quite 
the all pro for whatever reason. But when you play as well, so he's probably the third best guard in the NFL for 11 seasons. That's nothing to sneeze about. Definitely had a great career for uh, a team uh, in the Rams that only really had like one good season while he was there. So full props to him for sticking it out, even though he didn't much of a choice back then. I bet you if you asked Eric Dickerson if he was an all-pro, he'd probably be like, yeah, Tom X an all-pro. <laughs> Just saying. All right, all right. I- I'm going to take it around to 66 here. Um, this kind of <laughs> – I talked about a division rival, Viking being a player you can't mm-hmm. deny. I wasn't around to watch this guy play, but you watch his highlights, and again, I can't deny it. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, if you ask me who I thought the greatest Green Bay Packer of all time is, mm. considering the career was split with Reggie White, in my opinion. So if you're talking about greatest Packer. Only Packer. I, I think it's Ray Nitschke. Sure. And 66, uh, linebacker at that. Mm-hmm. but. Ray, Ray Nitschke was one heck of a football player. It, I would recommend anybody go back and watch some of his highlights. He only got one Super Bowl, thankfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or no, he had two Super Bowls. He did get two. Did he get both of those with was, the Packers? Uh, yeah, I believe so. his whole career was with the Packers. But I, I was just trying to think what of he like played those years. the, yeah, he the merger and whatnot because he played pre-Super Bowl and post-Super Bowl era. So I was like trying right. to figure out the title things there. So he had all five, up my mind. five NFL championships, two Super Bowls. Yeah, okay, so that sums up what I was thinking. He, so mm-hmm. he did get two Super Bowls, and the rest were – because he, he was like right there with Bart Starr. Right. But the nickname, The Wild Man. Go watch The Wild Man. Yep. And again, he, he played player. in an era before the Pro Bowl was a thing, so he technically has one Pro Bowl. But let's be honest, he was—he had more than that. One. He had more than one. So, yes. What's going to be fun though totally. is you know we, we talked about different players in different eras and different you know places and, and guys that were at different uh, levels of, of all kinds of stuff, uh, and we know most of them. Like again, we talked about this. Most of the positions we've we've had you know, locked in, but. I did not have Robert John Kuchenberg on my list of guys we were going to talk about for this Jersey show. <laughs> and Bob Kuchenberg, Cooch as the they cooch. called him, the Cooch, played for the Dolphins between 70 and 83. Six Pro Bowls had an All-Pro in there, two-time Super Bowl champ, and the best guy to wear, number 67. Why? This dude, uh, you look at his uh, pro football reference, he is listed as a guard, a tackle, and a center. So basically, you can plug and play him anywhere on your offensive line, and you are good to go. This this man was a left guard for most of his career, and he stepped in in 1978 and 79, played left tackle, didn't miss a beat, was an all-pro guy uh, as a combo guard tackle in a season. That's crazy to think about doing uh, as an NFL player because it's such a different position, even though it's right next to each other. They do two totally different things. But Bob Kuchenberg got it done for those Miami Dolphins teams. One of the better Dolphins of all time. Was that the first guy in the list that you didn't know? Seems so. I didn't know Les Richter. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. At least I knew Cooch. You got Cooch on me, yeah. All right. So the next number is 68. This is a 12-time Pro Bowler. I know him. This was an easy one for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, Will Shields. Such a great name for an offensive lineman, too. Now, when we're talking about how guards started to change, you know, I was talking about Randall McDaniel just being <laughs> a super athlete and mm-hmm. big and stocky and muscular at, like, 280. Mm-hmm. Well, Will Shields is 315. He's a big boy. Same position. Awesome player. Mm-hmm. Awesome player. Um, and, again, Walter awesome, Payton he's Man a, of the Year award. He's a, Yeah, I was going to say, he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award a couple times, I thought. At least once. So. 
But All and, right. and admittedly, I will tell you this though with Shields, he was very good, but he also was in the era of guys that as soon as they made one Pro Bowl on offensive line, they had to get injured to not make it. No, I'm not taking anything away from him because he's not a, a good example of that. But it's just the point that we've made in the past of Pro Bowls were kind of handed out like candy for a while. This guy earned it for a decade in a row, like from '95 to 2006, he was a Pro Bowler every season, and that's from your when you're 24 to when you're 35. Come on now, we're gonna talk about awesome his teammate player. at 69 though. And this is uh, someone that you influenced quite heavily. This is a man that you believe is the best at this number. And uh, you know what? He always kind of annoyed me a little bit, but you have made me appreciate him. And that's Jared Allen. 6'6", 270, edge rusher, 136 sacks, 500 tackles, and just kind of a bad man attitude. And it worked out for him for three different teams. Four different teams, really. He had a little hot, uh, a little spell with the Bears there as well. But most people know him from Kansas City and Minnesota. Yeah, he's dude. He's he was a heck of a player. I mean, led the league in sacks twice. Yep, tackle for loss can't once. Can't be can't be mad about that, this especially man, when not a lot of people wore that number. So right, and this man for from twenty two thousand four through two thousand thirteen, so ten straight seasons, had double digit tackle for loss. Like when we talk about that being basically as good as a sack, right? So yeah, it's the same thing. Right. Just exactly. tackled a different player. Yep. Anyway, you look at it, Jared Allen, by far and away the best guy to wear 69. 70, go for it. 70 was a little bit of a, a, a tough debate. one. And this one, this one I could say could be maybe change over time, if you will. But mm-hmm. um, I think I would lean with Sam Huff is where I would go. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he play, who's he play for, Dan? Uh. I forgot. A team that you like to mention. Oh, you remember it? Often. But, yeah, I I would probably go Sam Huff. You could give a little shout-out to Art Donovan. Um, I mean, Art's technically a two-time champ. Sam Huff's only a one-time champ. But, I mean, I don't know. I just I I look at the players and the career, and Sam Huff was a lot more consistent. And Mm -hmm. just you watch watch some of his tape, and he looked like he's a little bit before his time. Sure. I I, I don't know. It's – Again, it's a little tougher, but, I mean, this guy was in MVP voting a couple mm-hmm. times in his career early on So as a linebacker, and this is in the 50s, so it's right. a little different, but he's well, what's, a great player, man. What's fun to think about, and again, they're two different positions, two different players. They overlapped a bit. So, like, uh, uh, Huff started in 56, right, 56-69. Donovan was 50-61. to 61. So if you look at the years they overlapped where they were both still kind of in their prime, if, if you will, like 56-57 through, through 60, in 57 especially, uh, right as uh, as uh, Huff was starting to make a name for himself and getting his second team all AP, you also had uh, Donovan sitting there as the first team all AP defensive lineman and a pro bowler. So, I mean, this, these are two guys that, that overlapped each other's careers. And so it would have been, you know, talking about being able to compare era to era, we may have to go back and watch some tape, see which one of these two guys stood out more. Because, again, they played two yeah. different positions, and they had two different, you know, you know, work mentalities and job sets they were going for. So that being said, both of them deserve some love. I'm willing to give you, uh, for right now, Sam Huff, but we have to go back and take a peek. 71. Uh, you just, yeah, some, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> I'll just leave it alone. 71. Take us to 71. 71, uh, there's, there's, uh, I've got one guy, you've got one guy. I'm going to talk about Alex Karras and because he's a lion and also he was in Blazing what a Saddles. I mean, come on now. 100 sacks, Alex Karras. 100 sacks, even when he missed oh, well, a season for a gambling suspension. <laughs> which is why he was 
pooped on for the Hall of Fame for mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, which is just, again, ridiculous. I get it. But this guy finished sixth in the MVP voting in his second-to-last season when he was 34. He had several seasons of which they credit him now because obviously they had to retroactively do the sack numbers of double-digit sacks. So for a defensive tackle, again, let's point this out. He was not a defensive end. He was a defensive tackle. This guy put up numbers. All I got to say is he's not top five in his position, and Walter Jones probably is. You're not top five at your position. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not on this list. If I were on this list, I might have a shot at my number, though, because True. who was it? <laughs> Let's see here. 30, ah, Nineas Williams is pretty good. Yeah, Dang it. I, I I, it's okay. 30. I had no shot at mine either because that was uh, Ronnie Lott, so. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, well. But, yeah, I go Walter Jones all the all the way. <laughs> and he was great. I'm not not even that. Not even close for me. But another guy, same position, though, at 72, go blue. I got Dan Deardorff in yep. here. Yeah, and again, Dan I, Deard- which who's better, Jones or Deardorff? Uh, Walter Jones. Okay. Good work, Dan. Not even right close. Number. Not even close. Ah, Walter Jones is better. Dan, De- Dan Deardorff was just awesome, too, though. Um, mm-hmm. Had a solid it's rather uh, impressive. peak of his career. Yeah, he is a great player. I mean, he, he made... You know, half a dozen Pro Bowls, a handful of All-Pros. Three straight All-Pros. Start, started a, as a guard, worked his way out to tackle for the vast majority of his career, and then somehow be, ended as a center. Right. So. <laughs> and then came back yeah. as a pretty solid announcer, like commentator, as, as one of the color yeah. guys that a lot of us knew in, in the in the 30s. If you're in your 30s and 40s, you knew Dan Deardorff as a, as a commentator in, in uh, uh, the NFL and the college side of things as well. Number 73, this one was Greatest easy. interior alignment of all time. <laughs> Some of these numbers have been hard. Some of these numbers have been debates. This was John Hanna. I realize other guys have worn that number, and I realize his Hall of Famers have worn that number. It's John Hanna. Anything you want to say about him? You want to wax poetic or you just want to move on? I think I just did. There you go. Greatest interior offensive lineman in NFL history. Probably the greatest to ever wear the Patriot pad is his primary logo. Facts. He's the second greatest Patriot of all time. There you go. That's all I need to know. Take that. Take that. (laughs) All right, 74 for me. This was, ironically, a very, very tough one. And earlier, you know, I said I had a – well, John Hanna, when I said the second greatest guard, I was Mm -hmm. saying was Randall McDaniel because John Hanna's number one. This guy would actually be – debatable with Randall McDaniel, but I would throw him at center because he did play there too. So, man, if you had John Hanna, Randall McDaniel, with Bruce Matthews in the center, <laughs> wow. What a what would a, you just what like line that would be. Would you just try to screw with teams and do like, because you know how, uh, how defenses will do like the shuffling of the defensive line around? Just shuffle your three guys in the middle every play just to mess with them? I don't know. You could do wow. that. They could all do it. Crazy. That is, that's crazy cool. But... I I feel like I lean Bruce Matthews because I loved the Oilers, um, loved those uniforms. He mm-hmm. played everywhere in the O line. He played forever. Awesome dude. But it is so close with Mer. I don't know, dude. Merlin Olson. Oh, fourteen is, Pro Bowls and five All Pros. Come on now. I don't know who to pick. This is the first it one is. where I. It's not. I had one where I said it's fifty-one percent, forty-nine. This is fifty-fifty. Well, and again, it's... I have I have two names here. <laughs> the problem is, you say either of these names and you feel like you're disrespecting the other one. Because you feel like you're disrespecting Bruce Massey saying he's not the best. 
You're just expecting Marlon Olsen saying he's not the best. Because Bruce Matthews was one of the first guys that I was aware of that you could play everywhere on the offensive line and still be effective. He was that good at everything he did. And then Merlin Olsen was off the charts with what he did at defensive tackle and also makes a little, you know, gets a little name drop in Anchorman of all movies. So it was a huge one for me growing up when I was in college and talks about Merlin Olsen comes over. You know, like If you're friends with Merlin Olsen, you're doing something right. Dude. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not. I have both. I'm not right. picking. <laughs> well, we'll move on. I to, will pick. Uh, I will pick with every other number. I am not picking on that. Let's number. change the subject and talk about some beer then, because 75 is going to be a doozy as well. So, uh, I have been drinking. I might, this new I might sun. have another one where I refuse to pick <laughs> on 75. <laughs> Sounds like fun. I've been drinking this New Sun by Upper Hand. So again, those of you that are in Michigan, if you're anywhere near the UP or you just find something sitting at your Meyer whatever, Upper Hand makes some solid beer. I can tell you, I haven't ranked them yet. I still need to log into them. They're, they're not transcendent, but they are very solid, and you're not going to complain pulling them out there. But I do have to talk about a brewery that I had a pair of beers from because I saw it when I was in Grand Rapids and dropping stuff off at a UPS store because I had to, you know, Amazon returns, whatever. And I looked over to, to my left because there used to be a brewery in this little strip mall and it had changed names. It's no longer, I think, Kitzinger or whatever, something very German, to either Three Gatos or Trace Gatos. This is a cat-themed bar, a brewery. So I know you and I are both more dog people, but I have friends that are cat people, so I had to go in there. Had to go in there and check. And they had all of their beers have cat names. So again, I know you're not a cat person, but I appreciate how much they stuck to the theme. They've been there two years now, so very new, uh, very fresh. But they had a Maine Coon IPA, which I gave it 3.5. is in one of the hazies, New England. Really good job on that. It's actually a little bit, no offense to the new sun. It's better than that one. Uh, but again, it's a much lower distribution at this point. But then the other one that I had that I got a kick out of was there was a sour. So you wouldn't have liked it. We've been over this multiple times on JP. Not much of a sour fan. But I had to give them points because they called it the Palace Fruit Sour. And a Palace Cat is this small cat that always looks grumpy and always has a sour expression on its face. I'm like, you made a sour beer about a sour cat. I got to give you some props for that. And it was a fun beer. So three gatos, trace gatos, however you want to call it. Points to you guys for having some fun with names, for making some good beer. You have to check them out again sometime. So I'm going to talk about a brewery as well, Dan. Mm-hmm. On my journey up north in this crazy, uh, you know, hailstorm, poison ivy, kayaking (laughs) adventures here, Mm -hmm. I decided, I told you ahead of time, I was going to stop at Paddle Hard Brewing in Grayling, Michigan. And I was going to give them a go, see what they're all about. I've had one or two of their beers before. I actually enjoyed them, but I keep hearing more and more buzz about them. But Mm -hmm. I went to go there. I wanted to eat there as well. But uh, there was like a two-hour wait, my guy. Whoops! I didn't have time. For, I didn't have time for that. Ain't nobody got so time. So I didn't get to. I didn't have. I didn't get to go to Paddle Hard Brewing. Sorry, Paddle Hard. So I was salty and I was walking back to <laughs> my car. Sorry for being so guess, popular. Guess what I saw when I was walking back to my car? Another How I brewery. walked past it, I don't know. But on the way back, it another like, brewery. Was like a, a sign. There was a Rolling Oak Brewery. Okay. Right down the street. You like trees? I do like trees. So. I'm just going to list off everything that I had there because oh, no. I got a ton of mini beers. <laughs> I'm going to do it in order of how right. I tried them. Let's go. Not in order of how I liked them, but I'll give you the mm-hmm. take. I'll keep them kind of quick because I had quite a few. Whoops. I was on vacation. You were on vacation. So I started with a coconut porter. Duh. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably right. would have too. But you and I are both suckers for coconut porters. Yeah. So I'll say this. The overall flavor profile was awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely picked up on the porter notes. You could definitely get the coconut in there. Really, really liked it. Okay. And this was a rather common theme with everything that's coming, so I'm going to repeat mm-hmm. myself quite a bit. <laughs> Me and the guy I was with at the brewery agreed on this. He's like, man, there's something off. I don't know what it is. And I told him, and he's like, that's exactly what it is. And then he did the same thing. He goes, all of them are like this. It's like, oh. I know. Look at all the tasty notes I checked in. Everything they did, I thought they did it pretty well, mm-hmm. but everything was thin. Interesting. So it was a coconut porter with great porter vibes, mm-hmm. great coconut vibes. Just felt it drank like a lager. It was so okay. thin and it's like now, you swallowed you, it and it was gone. Did you talk to them about that? Yes, a little bit. What did they say? Because my, my answer to that, if I'm at the brewery, is like, oh, well, it's summertime. We, we usually make them a little thinner and easier in summertime. Well, the the lady, oh well, she's very nice. She did. She's very nice and cordial serving you. <laughs> but the, the more questions you asked, she didn't have the answers. She's not the those things, and sure. she's not the brewmaster. She just was pouring beer. Right. So she had didn't seem like she was had the knowledge there. So I was making her. The more I questions I asked, the more frustrated I could see she was getting. <laughs> so I stopped. Fair. Um, so then to carry, you know, we'll keep rolling here. See what I did there. Ah rolling oak mm-hmm. so then i tried the peanut butter porter but here's the thing the coconut porter i gave a three two five i mm-hmm. felt like i was being generous because i see where they're going they just got to thicken that thing up sure the the peanut butter porter i think was the second best beer i had there if i remember correctly nice. i liked it because it was more of they need to take the butter part out of it and just peanut porter it was just a, it was a it's just a peanut porter <laughs> there was no butter no sweetness sure. it was very much like a peanut dryer vibe and you mm-hmm. know i like that mm-hmm and it was good. It, it was everything I just said, though. It was very good, no butter, thin. Love what they're doing with the dry peanut porter vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had their Michigan local IPA. I gave it a 2.5. Nice. It was, I can see where they're headed with it. Just wasn't very hoppy, which you know I'm always looking for in an mm-hmm. IPA, especially Michigan IPAs. And again, it was kind of thin. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried their Wipe the Sky Porter. The reason I did that, if I remember correctly, the wipe the sky porter was the base for the peanut butter porter. Mm. So they just take the wipe the sky and then add the peanut vibes to it, and that becomes gotcha. it. Now, as you can see, the only thing I really liked about the peanut butter porter was the the dry peanut vibes. Mm-hmm. So all that was gone. It was just the thin porter that almost had like a sour taste to it. I gave it mm-hmm. a three. I could see what they were doing there. It wasn't bad. It was very drinkable. I also had a Black Diamond Porter. That one I gave it 275. You really did drink there, didn't you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that one was solid. All the same notes. I'll keep going here. I had a Range 13 IPA. Mm-hmm. Gave that one a 275. It was mm. almost the same as the Michigan Local, only it just had a little more pop to it. You know okay. what I mean? A little more pop to it. And then uh, the guy I was with, and I'm saving one for last for a reason, the guy I was with, <laughs> this would have been you. Made me try the Thank You Very Much, ah. which was a fruit beer. Well, was it a sour or was it a fruit beer? It was a fruit beer. See, I wouldn't have necessarily drifted to the fruit beer. I would have definitely done the sour if they had one That's of those. cool. It got a 175 Whoops. from this guy. You, keep moving on. You're just not a fan of those. So, here's what I will say. Mm-hmm. Best beer on their entire menu. The final one tried. I have to talk about. That I tried. Which was dang near all of them. Right. It sounds like it. As you can tell. <laughs> I think there were a couple I forgot to check into. Fair. Uh, the Norway Sun. Oh, that's just a fun name. It is a fun name. That I think my phone whistled at that name, too. You might have heard that on the podcast there. 
I had the Norway Sun. It's a wheat beer. It's a Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the first Hefeweizen I've had since the Live Oak one from Texas that I praise all the time for mm. actually being able to like have the cool you know, wheat vibe with that banana flavor being extremely balanced. Mm-hmm. We can pick it all up, and it's awesome. Uh, the Live Oak's got them beat, but, <laughs> but it's in the this ballpark. was very, very good. Nice. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that I actually uh, um, bought two cans. Ooh. Oh, that's the one I forgot to check into. I'll have to look it up. I'll fill you in on the next episode or maybe at the end of this one. <laughs> I bought a can of their Hazy. Okay. It's like the Hanson Haze or something like mm-hmm. that that I tried. Did not like it all that oh, that's much. That's a shame. Um, Might have been a bad can. Who knows? But then I got a can of this, Norway Sun, to go. And it was the first beer that I had the day I got assaulted by the uh, hailstorm. Hey. Well, as I kayaked down the river. So I had a good start for it. But this beer is very enjoyable. That's my favorite one they have. Nice. All right. So, hey, basically long what, what you're telling us, JP, is if you find yourself anywhere near, is it Grayling or Gaylor? Where were you again? Grayling. So Grayling, which worth is the stop. northern Michigan. I enjoyed yeah. it. And again, a lot of people have heard of Paddle Hard because you've talked with them. It's, it's, it's getting a little more of a following, clearly, by the two-hour wait, stuff like that. Do yourself a favor, put your name in at Paddle Hard if you really want to eat dinner there, and then walk down the street, get some Rolling Oak beer before you go have dinner if you want to do it that way. Hey, so. real quick, I don't have to wait till later. It was the Hanson Hayes okay. that I tried. There you go. Wasn't I wasn't quite if not as impressed. Well, it's, they called it a Hanson Hayes, and I didn't get any haze or citrus uh-huh. or any of that in there, and it just mm-hmm. felt like a Hanson Lager is what I had. It might have been mm-hmm. a bad can. I don't know. Well, I can tell you that, too. Like, the new Sun, the, the hazy that I'm drinking right now, definitely is more tame on the, the fruit flavors you see in hazies now and a little bit on just some of the – it's definitely hazy. Like, you can see – you can't see through it, but it's more of a basic haze, which is not a bad thing. Just a different vibe, so – that's what happens sometimes. And that's why it's fun to try different beers or breweries because you have the more flagshipy ones where they feel like, okay, we need to stick to something resembling a general style. And then you have places that are like, screw it, we're just going to have fun. I always like the places that say screw it and have some fun. And it sounds like they did that a little bit there at uh, Rolling Oak where they had spinoffs of other things. So that always makes me happy. What doesn't make me happy is trying to figure out who in the world we're going to get 75. Dude, I'm I not kidding uh, you. I lied to you. It's 74 and 75, they got a two-way tie. Well, nah, I can I, give the nod to one guy if you force me, and I'll explain why. You go. It's your number. You could easily do four guys at 75, and I'm going to tell you four names because you could do Jonathan Ogden, you could do Deacon Jones, Mean Joe Green, Forrest Gregg. Here's why. Deacon Jones, eight Pro Bowls, five All-Pros. Joe Green, 10 Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. Jonathan Ogden, 11 Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. But Forrest Gregg, nine Pro Bowls, seven All-Pros. So all four of these guys – played their respective positions at a very high level. Greg being uh, a two-way player with the tackle guard and then also defensive tackle. Jonathan Ogden, mostly a tackle out there. Joe Green, interior D-line, and then Deacon Jones, the man they named the sack after. So that's one of the reasons why I wouldn't be opposed uh, to putting Deacon my Jones at the top. I know, I totally ripped you off of that. Sorry, bud. It's what you get for letting me run this one. Now, you were the one who said... I told you that, you did. too. You did tell me that. I'm not, I'm not too ashamed to say that I ripped that off from you, and I'm fine with it. It worked for me, at least. All right, but again, here's the thing. Like, uh, pro football reference, they go back and retroactively try to calculate sack totals. For Deacon Jones, he had three seasons where he was 22, 21 and a half, and 22 sacks in a window where he also had a 19, a 15, and a 16. So this this guy just wreaked havoc from 64 to 69. 
And so I'm not opposed to having him as the number. But then you go to mean Joe Green. And Joe Green, obviously, because he's a defensive tackle, didn't have quite the same numbers, but still had, like, basically from 69 to 76, he was a pro bowler. In three of those years, he was an all-pro and a defensive player of the year. Jonathan Ogden played from 96 to 2007, was a pro bowler for all those years except 1996. And then you move on to Forrest Gregg. And again, we talked about being it's a Packers, so maybe we can leave that off. But from 1959 to 1968, he was either a pro bowler or an all-pro. Take your pick. These are four tremendous athletes, four tremendous guys who played the game. You could argue any of them, and, and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. Uh, no, uh, I think that you would necessarily be wrong if you argued any of them, because there's only two arguments. <laughs> okay. And that is Deacon and Ogden. Uh-huh. They're the only two. And they're so close, it's not even funny. As you said, Ogden made the Pro Bowl every year but one, very similar to Merlin Olsen. Mm-hmm. Only Merlin actually made more, which is crazy. But uh, I got to give the nod to Deacon Jones because they named the sack after him. And if they actually tracked sacks, which they couldn't because he created <laughs> them, right? then... He might be the all-time sack leader or something. I don't know with some of the numbers. Right. I heard stories where when they really looked at the footage and this and that, like he had a season in there, I forget the numbers you said, where he actually had like 27 in a season. <laughs> I believe that. And they only played how many games then, Dan? 14, yeah. Yeah, so if you stat that out sacks per game, he's destroying the whole NFL history. Well, this man was 6'5", 272, which is normal now, but was not normal in the 70s. Correct. So uh, if you if you maybe choose, I will give I will say seventy five is Deacon Jones, seventy four I'm still undecided on. Okay, well, again I've given you the four pieces of opinion. Y'all can debate that on him. Just you know you're not going to beat him out for uh, what he loves at seventy five. Seventy six, go for it. Well, seventy six is well, I would say there's a debate, if you will, between two people. You're going to give a third honorable mention <laughs> because I'm personally going to leave it off. Fair. I will say my honorable mention will be Orlando Pace, but I personally think that if you challenged either of the two guards that I said, if like, well, you can't challenge John Hanna. He's the greatest. If you wanted to say there's a guard out there better than Randall McDaniel, it's Steve Hutchinson. Steve Hutchinson, go blue, gets number 76. <laughs> this guy, if you want to talk about a guy who just looked like a phone booth. Right. This, I mean, 6'5", like 315. Just a uh, watch his highlights. Just a, just a nasty player. You want to talk about when guard when they say guards got to play with that mean nasty edge? There you go, Steve freaking Hutchinson. Do you want to give your honorable mention, Dan? Come on, you're leaving the toe out of this. You're leaving yes. the Lou the toe. I can't. I'm not going to swear. The toe grows off this list, and not just a kicker. A kicker that also played some line as well. This Big dude whoop. has awards named after him. Mm-hmm. And does does Hutchinson, Hutchinson have awards named after him? Yeah, need it. <laughs> Both are great players, and Orlando Pace. Yeah, also you know what his you know it. what his award is guard. <laughs> right, you like look, wait, wait, if you have guard, he's one of the few people you can put up there as a model of that position. Right, definitely. But all right, number seventy-seven. There are two different names we have to discuss here. Uh, Frank Ragnow. Um, you know, not yet. I'm kidding. I'm he's, kidding. Look, if he stays healthy, which has been a challenge for him, but if he can stay healthy. For the rest of his career, he's in the conversation because he has been very solid. He will, when he's he been will be over the second name, you're going to say, because right now there's currently only one answer for this number. Red Grange. 
No. <laughs> I love the Galloping Ghost, so I'm going to give Red Grange some love at 77 back in the name, the day when no one knew what numbers meant. But Willie Rofe is the other guy. And Willie Rofe was one of the first really big tackles that could move. At 6'5", 320, at least the first that stands out to me. I mean, there's probably some other guys, but in 93, he was 6'5", 320, and he could move like a man from a generation ago that was 260. So 11 Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. He was he was the Hall of Fame All-90s and All-2000s team. He only, only played half of the 2000s. So this dude, outside of the one season he got hurt in 2001, was a Pro Bowler from 94 to 2005. I mean, again, I like... I like, you know, Red Grange, I'm going to give him some love. But Willie Rofe, my goodness, Rofe the Loaf. You just stick him out there at left tackle, and he just kept people away from your quarterback for over a decade. Mm-hmm. 78. Willie, Willie Rofe is the answer. <laughs> and Red Grange. 78. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, I went back to 74 while Bruce Matthews and Merlin Olsen both made 14 Pro Bowls. The fact that Bruce Matthews played for another like 10 years, even though if he didn't make the Pro Bowls de- during it. To, if you could tell me that I could have a player to play 20-plus years and play anywhere on my old line at the level he played, I think i got to give him the nod. Breaks my heart, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. 78 breaks my heart as well, Dan, because you know There's two. that I think that – well, here's the thing. 75, Deacon Jones got it. Sure. 78, Bruce Smith's getting it. He has yeah. 200 sacks. Mm-hmm. But who do I think the two greatest tackles in NFL history are? Ogden and Anthony Munoz. Yeah, there you go. It's tough. John, it really they're the is. two greatest tackles in NFL history, in my opinion. It's so fun and when you neither, try to... And neither one of them got their numbers. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so fun when you try to figure out like where guys are at. And here's the thing, too. Like Bruce Smith... You know, moonlighted his last four years in Washington and still ended up with 10, 5, 9, and 5 in his sack numbers. I mean, this guy was just a machine. And he was, the funny thing is, I remember looking at him and I still have a picture of my head. He's 6'4, 262. So he's what you'd expect out of a D end. But he never looked like a D end to me. He doesn't look like Aiden Hutchinson. He does not look super ripped. I mean, I'm no, not saying he, he played D tackle. That's my point. He's like, played D tackle too. This guy just got the job done throughout the entirety of his career, obviously. Because he didn't just have 2,000 sacks, or 200 sacks, 2,000, right? He didn't just have 200 sacks. 2,000. Greatest player in NFL history. There's a new goat. (laughs) There's a new goat. No, but he had 1,000 solo tackles as well. Actually, I think it's combined tackles, but still, he had 1,000 tackles, and he had 200 sacks. Come on now. Dude, I Shout out Anthony Munoz, but sorry. Now, we had a little bit of fun trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do at 79 because there isn't someone who stands out at the same level. Well, I didn't have anyone who qualified, but then you went to your second favorite team and just like, you know what? If there's nobody there, let's just throw a giant in there. (laughs) You're such a jerk. (laughs) All right. (laughs) He is a giant, and he is a great player, so... It's in spite of him playing for the Giants. It's he not got himself. How it went down, guys. Stop. And Gales. No, not at all. He just like to wind me up with this ridiculousness of the Giants. I'm glad. I appreciate that it's the Giants. And if you try to do this with the Packers, it would have shut it down by now. But uh, oh, yeah. one-time NFL champ with the Giants back before they had you know anything but the NFL championship. They didn't have a Super Bowl yet. But from '55 through to '62. And then again in 64-65, this guy was a left tackle that was a pro bowler or all pro all of those seasons. And I say or because like 61, somehow he wasn't a pro bowler, but he was an all pro, APL pro number one, which is ridiculous. Point is, this dude locked down the left side of the line for over a decade with nine pro bowls and six all pros. So Rosie Brown, 
Roosevelt Brown Jr., 79, no doubt. It wasn't quite as easy as 80, though, was it? No. 80 <laughs> is arguably like the the easiest one. I, here's the thing, though. I want to point out. This is, the, this is the OG GOAT. There were nine guys. There are nine players in the NFL Hall of Fame that wore number 80. And we didn't talk about yeah. the other eight. I bet they all regret it because their names are not Jerry Rice. Exactly. It is. It is not the the OG goat. It is not Flash. I mean, the hardest worker ever. Uh, every like receiving record almost ever. It's Jerry Rice. He's a goat. I think the only record nope. he might not have is like yards per reception. Yardage. I think total yards in a season. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that too. And that's just yeah. because he didn't play in the same era. If he played now, good lord! If he played now, with the way the rules are, where you can't touch wide receivers. It's like Michael Jordan playing the NFL now. And he's not even big, fast, or strong. He just runs he's routes. He's just a hell so of a well. route runner and doesn't drop anything. He gets up for his rookie year when he dropped everything. Yeah, well, hey, you know, hey, people people <laughs> learn. He's he's the uh, jo- Josh Allen took after him. It's like, I can't hit anything. Oh, wait, now I'm accurate. Cool. It works out. Right. And yeah, All right, 81, no we have a disagreement, though. You and I do. We Well, we don't have a disagreement. You're just wrong. It's okay. I don't think I I'm am. kidding. No, uh, here's the fun part, though. This is we have two players that no one really talks about them by their name, by their first name, because we have a Richard and a Calvin. Both were 81. Both were 81 for the Detroit Lions for a little while. And we're not being biased because Night Train Lane and his 68 interceptions and five touchdowns and seven Pro Bowls and three All Pros and Hall of Fame nod from the 1950s was a transcendent player for the Detroit Lions, and he played a little bit with the Chicago Cardinals for a few years and the Rams for a few years, too. But Night Train Lane goes up against Megatron. And Megatron wins because, well, if they matched a, up. if Night Train Lane, then that's a huge part of the argument. That's the main part. So I'll start with B. But Let's nobody, say B. Nobody played B, wide receiver at 6'5", 237 in Night Train's era. Right, but if Night Train even played in today's era, he wouldn't make it past week three because he'd be suspended for his style of play. Okay, fair. I'll give you that. You can't clothesline people and rip their heads off anymore. As much as I'd like that (laughs) and would like to see it, you just can't do it. And here's the thing. Even if you put – but here's the thing. He would get suspended in today's era, so let's let him play in in Night Train's era. So let's move Calvin back. Good Lord. In time. Now what happens, Dan? He breaks the NFL. Could Night Train even clothesline Calvin, or is he just hitting him in the thighs? He's not clotheslining him. He's definitely hitting middle, the middle of like the stomach, something like that. And, yeah. it's not, and how's that going to work out? Right. He's going to break his arm. Well, Calvin being 6'5", 237, Night Train was 6'1", It's Megatron. Yeah, sorry, Night Train. Megatron. Yes. Those are the only names we Therefore, using. argument is over. Stop. Megatron wins. Rude. All right, look. They're both lions, so we can be love nitrin. Yeah, love nitrin, but yeah, yeah, Megatron's got him. Can we? We can at least agree that that Calvin Johnson, Megatron's peak was probably a little better than Nitrine's peak. Uh, don't even need to get into it. The argument's over. We can move. We can move on. Calvin played all of uh, his career, his eight nine seasons in Detroit, uh, but Nitrine played for twelve seasons, or fourteen seasons rather. So I'm just saying, Nitrine. Needs to get mentioned, even though you disagree. Going with your little transformer, buddy. Oh, I'm I'm fully on board with mentioning him, <laughs> but to say that he he's the answer is erroneous. Yeah. Well, let's go to 82. Move on. I can't wait to get to 82 because it's my number, and I'm still technically undecided. 
on who it is. Uh, um, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, on one hand, you can go Raymond Berry, who made six Pro mm-hmm. Bowls and is a two-time NFL champ. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, you can go Ozzie Newsom, who's a three-time Pro Bowler, never won anything, but I just feel like he made more of an impact at tight end than what Raymond did at wide receiver. I don't know. Like, because here's the thing: mm-hmm. when you look at Ozzie Newsom versus the other tight ends of his era, Ozzie was like the best. Mm-hmm. Raymond Berry, like there were wide receivers pre Raymond Berry that were even better than Raymond. Yeah, Berry. yeah. Let's walk it back. Raymond Berry was an end; he wasn't a receiver. Well, okay. They're both tight ends. What's the... So if you want to Ray... do a straight comparison, Ozzie Newsom had Raymond... a couple more catches. Raymond Berry had more yards. Raymond Berry was a wide receiver. He was though. listed as a left end his entire career. Sweet, because they had him on the left side of the formation. He's technically a wide receiver. He was an end. I'm Googling this right now to prove you wrong. Look, all I'm telling you is he was obviously an end. All 187 pounds of him were out there crushing it. Is he he in the Hall of Fame? What is he listed as? Well, according to Pro Pro Football Reference, he's an end. But we'll have to to look up Raymond Berry in the Hall of Fame and see what he's listed as. But you're just trying to be, you know, you're just trying to, you know, be ridiculous right now. So then I'm looking at all these other sites, and he's listed as a split end. Yeah, I'll split your end. So he's outside. He's he was. They had weird names. They had middle guards then. He played wide receiver. He's an end. Yeah. Sure. No. Look, Ozzie knew some six two two thirty two. He's a tight end. Raymond Berry six two one eighty seven. He's not a tight end. It's fine. I'm just messing with you. But Raymond Berry did lead the league in receptions three times. Sweet. What did Ozzie do? None of that. He was arguably the greatest tight end of all time until later in history. I can't believe you're defending a Cleveland player. I think Ozzie wins. Especially Only because... if you consider what he did with the Ravens. Oh, wait, fair. Now, what he did, look, what he did, Raymond Berry was a good coach, but Ozzie Newsom was a great GM. So, fair. But Ozzie Newsom also gets a nod because he was born in Muscle Shoals, and that's just a wonderful name for a town. Well, Dan, you made me roll away from the microphone because you got me all worked up, and I got to grab another drink. Aha. Uh-huh. You you keep your long drinking going. So I, mi- I missed my thing. Look at that. It sprayed all over. <laughs> this can't be good. You deserved it. I'm hitting buttons now. Yeah, this is dangerous. All right, so here's we're going to move on and talk about number uh, 83, and there's two different names we got on there. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I think that both of us, the first person we thought about was Andre Reid. Because Andre Reid was part of those Buffalo 100%. teams. Yeah, he's part of the Buffalo teams that uh, could never quite win a Super Bowl, but seven Pro Bowls, 951 catches, 13,000 yards, 87 touchdowns. Spectacular player. Never was an all-pro because he was up against Jerry, and he's up against uh, some other really good wide receivers. But from 88 to 94, he was a Pro Bowler. So, again, very solid career. But the other name that we have to throw out there, and this is a guy who played – uh, for the the Baltimore Colts for a few years, played for the Raiders for most of his career as well, and a Guatemalan-born man, and that is Ted Hendricks. What's his nickname? You, everybody knows the Mad Stork. The Mad Stork. Plus, he's a linebacker. I feel like you'd like him better because he's a linebacker. Back when linebackers used to wear 83. Oh, I pick, yeah, he's my, he's my pick for 83. Sure. Again, but again, I want to make sure that people understand how good Andre Reid was. He was probably yes. the third best wide receiver of his era. It just unfortunately went up against Jerry. He would have been up to the top of the list most of the other times. But again, Ted Hendricks, what he did as well in his time, he was credited with 61 sacks when they went back and did the sack thing. But this guy was all over the field for uh, Oakland and for 
uh, for the Raiders when they, I think he technically was there for a couple of years when they went to LA as well, but uh, with Baltimore and, and the dude was, was so good, had such a great nickname, fit in perfectly with those uh, Raiders teams, got himself four Super Bowls between the teams that he played for. And also mm-hmm. picked up uh, two different... He was a Hall of Fame 70s team and Hall of Fame 80s team. And when you can do that, playing the entire decade of the 70s and only four years in the 80s, and you're still getting that kind of love, I'll give you 10 Hedricks over uh, over Andre Reed. Sorry about that, Andre. 84. 84 is easy. There's a lot of great players that wore it, but there's no point in mentioning any of them. <laughs> uh, it's Randy Moss. Yeah. So here's my question. Despite playing twice as long with Minnesota... Mm-hmm. And not what do you consider yourself, whether you're a, a Viking or a Patriot, if you're Randy Moss. What do you think Randy Moss considers it? Like, if he goes in, mm. well, when? When? Whatever, like, he already is. But Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure like, who do you think team he, made him choose, if they made him choose a team. I don't think they do in the NFL. Like, in, in Major I, League I Baseball, think, you I have to choose. I don't think they do. Major League Baseball, yeah. they make you pick a cap. But the NFL, I don't they really, they really care. Hey, I think the Washington sale just went through. Hey, there you go. Look at that for uh, live stuff happening. So again, those Just of you who are yep. those of you who are wondering, uh, so since you talked about that, you obviously dated us. Those of you who are listening to this, we definitely recorded this right after we recorded the first half because we just wanted to knock it out. So this is Thursday still, uh, but it's probably Saturday when you're listening to it, or it's maybe months in the future. Who knows? But yeah, we're, we're the the Washington uh, Commanders slightly shady sale. Uh, that's going to go through, that's breaking some NFL rules and doing so, but it still gets Dan Snyder out, so I'm all for it. Uh, but getting back to Randy Moss, who did not play for Washington, one of the only teams he didn't play for, um, this dude, here's the thing about him. He never actually led the league in either yardage or receptions. How crazy he is that? He led in touchdowns. Right, he led it in touchdowns, though. This guy got to the end zone. Didn't he lead it like five times? Yes. <laughs> It's really crazy when you think about it. Goodness. But again, almost a thousand catches in his career. Yeah, Randy Moss. He was called the freak for a reason at six four two ten. I mean, what he did in college at Marshall was insane, and uh, continued in the NFL. So much fun. The only Randy Moss story I can tell you is my uncle. They would uh, you, they used to try to like pay for one good Lions game a year, and he was definitely like a few rows back behind the Minnesota bench and kept shouting at Randy, going, "Hey, Randy!" To get him to turn around, he turned around. He's like, "You suck!" And then he flipped him off. Randy Moss flipped him off, and so everybody <laughs> threw everybody threw like popcorn and trash at him. It was great at Randy Moss. Well, I got a better. I got a. I got a, a nicer story. Oh, so I remember being in, in school. I remember being in school when he when Marshall came to CMU for oh, yeah. a football game. Uh, one of the guys that I grew up playing football with, Justin was his name. He went to that game, and Randy Moss signed his glove and gave it oh, to him. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. That's a much better story. And again, I, I, even, I say even though even though Justin was decked out in CMU gear. Yeah, well, hey, Randy probably signed his forms and be like, here, you got a good wide receiver now. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like Randy Moss, everybody who talks about him, I mean, he was a bit prickly with his like how he went about things with his career, but off the field, I don't have a ton of people saying they didn't want to hang out with Randy Moss. Seems like a pretty good dude, all things considered. I would hundred uh, percent awesome. hang out with him. I think I'd hang out with number eighty five as well. The guy we have yes. on the 85 list, oh my goodness, the stories we could hear from Jack Youngblood. Just just holy wow. Jack Youngblood, I mean, uh, remind me again, he played a game with a broken what again? Uh, his whole leg. His whole leg was broken. And he just was out there, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, uh, player of the year in 75 defensively. Part of the '70s uh, all team, all uh, uh, all pro team, uh, Hall of Fame team, 
five different years in there. From basically from 73 to 79, he was either a pro bowler or an all pro. They credited him with 15 sacks in one season, 18 in another season. They give him 151 sacks before they really started charting sacks. That gives you an idea of how dominant this guy was out there. Awesome. Dude, really, really, really good player. Can't get over the, the broken leg thing. It's nuts. It, the statistics speaks for himself, themselves. Right. So, I mean, Willis yes. Reed coming back out and knocking down two shots and, and doing what he did for the Knicks on a broken leg is one thing, but what he what Youngblood did to play on a broken leg is insane. Yep. Uh, all right. 86. The Buck guy I've talked about. Dante Lavelli? No. James Lofton. No. no. <laughs> Go ahead. Dude. Then I've talked about him. I don't remember how he came up. Is this guy? Is this guy your most uh, you know underrated man who should be in the Pro Bowl that, or in the Hall of Fame? This in the Hall of Fame? No, he's probably number two. Number two, to okay, Jesse gotcha. Tuggle. I love Jesse Tuggle. Sure, I like this guy a lot too. But he, this guy, will get in the Hall of Fame. He needs to. But it's Heinz Ward. Mm-hmm. This guy played wide receiver like he's a linebacker, and I love <laughs> it. The way he hit people was awesome. And he's mm-hmm. in a thousand reception club. How is he not? I know it's hard for wide receivers to be first ballot, but, dude, I would have argued for him to be a first ballot guy. Just a standout, mm-hmm. like, nice dude, played the game like a pro, mm-hmm. stats speak for themselves, did things at the position. Like, no, like mm-hmm. Jerry Rice wasn't laying any, like, pancakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? One of the best blocking wide receivers ever. I think he's the best blocking wide receiver of all time, in my sure. opinion. I don't know. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yeah. No complaints. And this guy was still doing it at uh, age 35. So, Heinz Ward, yes. full props to him. Another guy that didn't quite make it as long, though, at 87. You know, there's a couple different numbers we could throw out there. Dave Casper definitely needs a mention at tight end. But, unfortunately, he's only the second best tight end to wear 87. And that's because of our boy Gronk. Rob Gronkowski. Yep. Nobody thought he was going to have the career that he did coming in because they were concerned about the back issues. They were, weren't were sure. And, again, he definitely had issues staying healthy throughout his career. Uh, but the years that he played – all of or all of or most of the games. I mean, he was a pro bowler every time he was healthy, basically, except his rookie year. I uh, led the league in touchdowns one year, but again, 80 catches some years, 90 catches other years. Just even in the last couple of seasons when he unretired to play with Tom again in Tampa, he was still very solid and serviceable out there. This this man was a mismatch everywhere, and he wasn't just a receiving tight end. He was a blocking tight end as well. Four-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, got comeback player of the year after the injury happened. Like, this dude was just a freak of nature at that position and seemed like a ton of fun to hang out with. Guys in the 80s we want to hang out with. He's probably the greatest tight end of all time, and had he not gotten hurt, he just would be. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Yep. All right, moving on. 88. 88, I'm going to stick with the same position. A guy who is arguably the greatest tight end because of Gronk getting hurt, in my opinion, uh, is Tony Gonzalez. It's tight end, a 1,000-yard mm-hmm. club, and he could block, he could catch, he could do everything, and awesome guy. He even saved a guy's life with the old yeah. Heimlich maneuver in the old restaurant when they're choking. This is a great dude. Oh, yeah. Tony great freaking dude. Good-looking man, too. I mean, this is a guy who just he, – he had everything going for him. There's no doubt. But it would be it would be rude to not mention Marvin Harrison, who was a great wide receiver for a long time with those Colts teams. Mm-hmm. And it's also rude not to mention Alan Page, the whole reason why there's the Purple People Eaters. We, we could have mentioned Ooh, him at 82. Could have mentioned him at 88. Def- we need to mention him because he's so good. Definitely with you on all of those things. I just give Tony the nod because – Tony's arguably the greatest tight end of all time. Right. Marvin Harrison's not arguably the greatest wide receiver, Alan Page. Mm-hmm. 
one of the better. Maybe ends, there's a small. But... Maybe there's a small argument. Well, there, I wouldn't choose him. I can tell you this uh, much: Alan Page, best defensive player to wear eighty-eight. Correct. Which is easy now that not many of them wear eighty-eight, but still eighty-nine. We had two different choices for that potentially. Gino Marchetti because he wore a bunch of different numbers, and he's a guy that we haven't talked about yet that I needed to give some love to because he's been he again was one of those old era guys that were so good for so long. Stories of him breaking his leg. He didn't actually keep playing the game, but he did stay on the sideline on a stretcher instead of going to the hospital because he wasn't going to ditch his team, which I thought was pretty freaking cool. But the guy we're going to talk about is Ditka, Mike Ditka. And a lot of people who aren't familiar with the old school of the NFL might sit back here and think, wait a minute, what? This this guy was a coach. He won a Super Bowl with the Bears. What are you talking about? It's like, no, Mike Ditka was a tight end before he was anything else. And that's something that people forget about. And he wasn't just any tight end. He was an incredibly good tight end. So he was the best. Years. When he was done playing tight end, I would have argued he was the greatest tight end of all time. Mm-hmm. And let me remind you that Ozzie Newsome and – Winslow and those guys, (laughs) they played around at the same times too. Exactly. And this guy played for multiple teams, but he got the job done. His best years were for the Bears, which worked out obviously later on too. He was the rookie of the year as a tight end in 1961, if that gives you an idea where he's at. He was AP, uh, he was an all-pro first or second team for each of his first five seasons. Tapered off after that, after injury, uh, and just never was quite the same after 66. But again, uh, in his career, 427 catches at that time as a tight end, 43 touchdowns, 10% of his catches were touchdowns. There you go. Mike Ditka. Can't complain about that. Very solid tight end, especially for the era. Number 90. Number 90 was a rather difficult one that we both struggled with. Mm -hmm. Um, I joked in in Dominican Sue. Stop. That wasn't serious. (laughs) But at the end of the day went Julius Peppers. Sure. Can't be mad about it. Very, very good, very, very good player. Mm -hmm. Um, Had one heck of a career, too. Go ahead. Right. Shout out to Javon Kirst. Just didn't play as long. Shout out to TJ Watt. Could be the guy. TJ Watt could be the guy. I know. You were, you were that's what I was slow playing. I was going to say that the Julius Peppers had an incredible, incredible career. Mm-hmm. Played for a very long time. Longevity, uh, amazing. Had nearly 160 sacks. Mm-hmm. But I would say this: I can't. Man, had Javon not gotten hurt, <laughs> yeah, another one of those. I, he, there's no way that I could have projected he would have played for 17 years, right. but. My goodness, I would have liked to have seen what he could have done if he could have even played like four or five mm-hmm. more. I'm deferring 91 to you. Go ahead. Yeah, buddy. This was my original, original guy who was snubbed from the Hall of Fame forever when he should have been first ballot (laughs) Hall of Famer, not even a debate. uh, Kevin Green is the all-time, like, actual, like, I mean, he played linebacker. I get it. it's more the edge rusher type thing, mm-hmm. but he was the first one who wasn't like a true hand on the ground defensive end, like edge rusher. Like he's got more sacks than anybody who ever played standing <laughs> up. Sure. Okay. He's got 160 sacks. Mm-hmm. He was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. He was a military guy. He was a crazy, awesome person with an awesome attitude and tons of fun <laughs> and amazing hair. Yeah, amazing hair. One hell of a coach, as well. Uh, like he, he even, you know, he got, he got Super Bowls as a coach, mm-hmm. even though it was with the Packers, which sucks. But I, I don't know. He he's one of my all time favorite NFL people. Period. He's probably it. I, 
If I did my NFL Mount Rushmore, he might be on there. Certainly a favorite player. You absolutely love that guy. For my favorites. Is not it the because, greatest, my favorites. Is it because he has so much better hair than you? Yes. It's <laughs> awesome. I don't have blonde straight hair like that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, I'm moving on he's to 92. He's my guy, though. You, you, know, you know he's you my guy. Do, you I, do he, an hour and a half podcast on Kevin Green, so I'm going to move on to 92 yes. now. And there's two names we can talk about, but one was above the other. No offense, Michael Strahan. Yes, you had a great career. Yes, you you know backdoored your way into the, the tying for the sack lead, all that. Good for you. Uh, but it's Reggie White. It's the Ministry of Defense. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's just the, what he did in the time that he was in the league from 85 to 2000. I mean, the fact that he had the career that he did, even just with Philadelphia, where he had five, six straight seasons where he was an all-pro guy in Philadelphia and then went to Green Bay and kept racking up Pro Bowls and a couple of all-pros and also a couple defensive. He, he was a defensive player of the year in, in 1987 at 26 and again in 1998 at 37. 16 sacks at 37, 21 sacks at 26. This guy was so good for so long. The only thing that I wish was different about his career is that he wasn't a Packer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. well. We, can, we can be happier about a number 93. You can't win them all. 93 is my guy. This was Aaron Donald before it was Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. You talk about one of the most charismatic players ever to watch. Uh it is eye paint and like the intensity. <laughs> you talk about motor. He's the first player in my life where I'm just like, dude, his mo. I haven't seen anyone who's got a motor like that. It is mm-hmm. John friggin' Randall. Yep. Vikings, I talk about a lot. You know, when it's a divisional rival and you disrespect the guy so much, you know they're doing something right. He's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. He's again. insane. And he, he's, how many, if you got anything up, you should look at this for me quick, Dan. Uh-huh. How many sacks does he have as a D tackle? I bet if you look, and a half. Compare him, okay, compare also, a window of time. You know how I did led Patrick? The led the league in sacks in 97 as a defensive tackle with 15 and a half. You know how I did the, the Patrick Willis, Ray Lewis window of time mm-hmm. look thing? Mm hmm. I, I would be willing to bet, and I have not looked at this, I swear, that Aaron Donald and John Randall, I bet you John Randall's window of time, he had better numbers than like the window of time almost. Okay. Almost. Well, if we're going to do sack I guarantee numbers. you one season, one season, I bet you Aaron Donald's got them. But if you look at a window of time, the peak of their career. Okay. Well, I'm looking at a window of time. I'm looking at the peak of their career, and you might be a little disappointed. But here's what we got. From 93 to 98 for Randall. When he was an all-pro, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 15 and a half, 10 and a half for all the sack numbers. So over double-digit sacks every time for that five-year period. We do a five-year window for Aaron Donald, 11, 20 and a half, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 12 and a half. So outside of that 20 and a half, they're very similar. So you're not going to be disappointed. Okay, so like I say, that one year. <laughs> yeah. That one year. They're very similar, but that what, one year. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just a reminder how good these guys are. 94. Ninety freaking four. You know who 94 is, Dan? 94 is a guy that we put in there just because I think he's got 94 Super Bowl rings. There's a good chance. He at least played uh, in 94 I Super mean, Bowls. Also, yeah. the only guy to wear 94 that's in the Hall of Fame right now. Oh, and that makes it a little easier, too, but it's Charles Haley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he he actually does have, like, seven Super Bowl rings or something, doesn't he? He timed it is right. He tied? Is he tied with Brady now? Uh, no, he technically only has five. I know. I'm just exaggerating. It just felt like he, he had seven. 
Yeah, because he was like, oh, it didn't matter if it was the Cowboys or the 49ers. Mm-hmm. He was in the Super Bowl. He's the reason why they got there, right? <laughs> I think he played for both teams when they both made it. Mm-hmm. I think he just played both ways. And that's where his He's rings like, came from. I'm getting a ring no matter what. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where his rings came from with the early 90s, like the late 80s, early 90s uh, Niners, and then the early 90s uh, Dallas play- teams. Definitely. No, I don't think you picked up on my joke. I uh, know. I was thinking he's playing for had jerseys for both teams in the same Super Bowl. So whether no matter what team won, right? He, was he just popped it on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's yeah, 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 I play for him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, two-time That's defensive me. player of the year, though. As far as UPI is concerned, great player. Who you got at uh, ninety-five? Ninety-five is a guy from uh, a little bit before Charles Haley's time. Actually, you know what? They overlapped a little bit. Uh, but that is a man who was of the old body style, if you will, of defensive line. Because Richard Dent was 6'5", 265, but he was a little more solid than he was fast. And he still got the job done, though. 137 sacks in his time. Uh, 1985, their Super Bowl year, 17 sacks. That was his all-pro season. Uh, but only four pro balls, one all-pro. He was the, I want to say he was the last defensive player to win MVP of the Super Bowl. Because he got that Super Bowl ring with the Bears and was Maybe. the MVP. And then he also picked up that Super Bowl with the, the Niners towards the end of his career in 94 with them. Uh, so I think, actually, I'm looking at this now, and no, they didn't. Okay, for a minute there, I thought he and Haley both played for the Niners at the same time, but Haley's already with Dallas by that point. But, again, Richard Dent, solid defensive end. Just a guy that got the job done no matter what. And not transcendent, but super solid. Love it. All right, all right. So, 96. Who do, you, who, who do we got there, Dan? Is it is it one we feel confident in? I think it's Cortez Kennedy that we yeah, agree on. Yeah, it's Cortez on. Kennedy. I mean, okay. look. You can throw another other one that was there. Little... You can throw other guys is out it... there, but when you look at the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, there's only two guys that have worn that number. One of those is Richard Dent, because I think he wore it for a cup of coffee uh, with somebody at some point, but it was, it was Cortez Kennedy. He is the guy. All right, 97. Is it Aiden Hutchinson? <laughs> you know it very well it, it very well could be uh, because again 97 is not one of those numbers where we looked around we poked around we sort of said no one's running away with this there were two different team players that we were talking about and no one has actually been uh it looks like from what we can tell in the hall of fame wearing that number so anytime you can sit back and say hutch. it's up for grabs hutch is right there the two numbers two names we're going to talk about though simeon rice cornelius bennett and uh, you can give me the case for rice real quick uh, he wins. <laughs> Simeon Rice, he played for the Buccaneers, was one of my favorite guys. He's, I mean, he's got an absurd amount of, I wouldn't say an absurd amount of sacks, but he's got 122 sacks in his career. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very respectable number for a defensive end. Sure. Uh, and he was he was awesome. I don't know. He's Super Bowl champ, three three Pro Bowls. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. only made one All-Pro. Not sure how that happened. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Solid Great career player. for him. That's my pick. That's 122 my pick. sacks, 403 solo tackles. That's nice. Cornelius Olanda Bennett, though. Biscuit Bennett. 71 and a half sacks. So not quite where your boy Simeon's at, but 1,000 yeah. tackles. A thousand tackles, thousand mm-hmm. forty-eight. So all I'm saying is more tackles, more forced fumbles, not quite as many sacks. So I think it's still a debate. You can keep your Simeon Rice. It's fine. Ninety-eight. Two more numbers. Let's wrap this up. 
Hold on, I was doing something to see. Ooh. So according to the pro football reference, you barely maybe won. Cortez Kennedy apparently had a career average value of 119. Nice. Simeon Rice had an average value of 104, but I still go Simeon Rice. Okay, well. So, yeah. I'll take it. Uh, 98 was a difficult one. I'm sure we maybe have different answers here, but I I don't know that either one of us is going to be too fussed. There were, were great choices. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was being a little biased, but I was kind of leaning Brian Arakpo. But, I mean, Casey Hampton's probably the correct answer. Mm, you're wrong on both of those. Who are you going with? Tony Saragusa. Ah, get out of there. <laughs> no, yeah. It's definitely Arakpo or Hampton. They're very much a, a toss-up right now, a coin flip when it looks to. You look at the stats and the numbers and everything, they both had very solid careers. Hampton might have a tiny bit ahead, but... Again, that's just how you want to break it down. So definitely a debate there. And we it's funny we have Plus the debate on 98. Big Snack. Right, which is a great. The big name. Snack. Great name. We have so we have a debate on 98 because we're not sure which guy to go with because we're not sure if either of them quite stand out. And 99, there's way too many guys to stand out. It's a good way to wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild, dude. I mean, I'll give you the two think- old school guys. You can give me the two new school guys. And again, Dan, Dan Hampton also gets a quick shout out just because you know he was one of the, one of the guys from the Bears, but you know, we'll leave him on the back burner. Jason Taylor and Warren Sapp both wore that number so well in the uh, '90s and 2000s. So good. Neither one of them are worthy choices, but when you mm. have JJ Watt and Aaron Donald, yeah, whew. it's again a coin flip there. Two different positions, but two insane amounts of production for both of those guys. Uh, and so, I mean. I think both of us, at least I lean, here's the thing. The only reason why I lean Aaron Donald is because of what he did at the position and the fact that TJ or that JJ Watt ditched CMU. That's all I got. <laughs> I was 50-50 on it, and pre-recording this, you and I looked at their careers side by side, and I talking about it live right here, right now, I forget why, but both of us were like, huh statistically, and you look at what they did, like it almost looked like JJ had a slight nod. Sure. So I I don't know. Just because you said Donald, maybe I'll go JJ, but I, I'm like Switzerland. I'm Switzerland on this one, man. Yeah. All right. Well, it's funny that it's you about mentioned. Like, it's about like 74. Right. Yeah. I was about to say, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, you'd take JJ, given how much you've loved Aaron Donald and talked about him in Wax. I know. He should have been a friggin' lion. Yeah, that's a shame. But hey, it's not a shame that we get a chance to see so many great players. And again, we talked about 99 different numbers and over 99 players, which is why it's taken us two and a half hours to do two episodes on numbers but uh but here we are any i got final, one question for you yeah i was about yeah. to say any final notes what do you got jp yeah off the top of your head what team do you think had the most players oh that's a good question don't look don't cheat as long as it's not the Give giants your gut I'm reaction fine. i got it right i oh, got it right did? when i was okay, doing it in my gotcha. head and then i fact checked it but i did check second place and that one i did not know and then i was instantly mad was it was it the raiders it wasn't the raiders nope no, I'm not sure. I didn't. I'm, I wasn't paying that close attention. Who had the most? First place, off the top of my head, I guess the Bears because all the linebackers eight, in the Bears. 50s. And they were correct, if I remember it right. Okay. They had eight. All right. But I wanted to see who second place was. The uh-huh. Vikings. So two of the division rivals of the Lions. I'm mad. <laughs> is I'm that, out. Is that one of the reasons why the uh, Lions haven't won a title in a long time and haven't won a division title in a long time and why your Huskies can't want to sell you right now? <laughs> I'm done. I'm hitting stop record. All right, well, hey, that takes care of JP. It takes care of me, too. So uh, feel free to throw some of your debates in there. If there's numbers you think we missed, if there's people you think we need to point out, let us know. We're going to be back to uh, all kinds of current football activity in the next coming weeks with Draft Draft.